Well, this is a first on the Blackfern show. Never, ever in the history of this program have we had a double dose of someone, but she was that good last week that we've decided we have to bring her back. Yes, we're talking about LJ, Laura Jane Jones, the UK broadcaster, one of the best in the game who has her own podcast that she's been recording today, a Try Hard podcast, which you can jump online and find as well. Uh, this weekend, she'll be a complete neutral since she's Welsh and not English Indeed. for the Rugby World Cup final. Great to have you back. It's great to be back. I feel like nobody else answered the phone and that's why I'm here. But I like the fact that you've kind of kicked it off as a, a double dose and, and I was the first on the list. So I'll you take absolutely, it, Absolutely. You were the first on the list. I promise you that. Uh, but let's talk about the weekend first and foremost. I don't quite know where to start, but we'll start off with game one, England-Canada. Did you see it coming down to that? Um, no, I didn't. But at the same time, I think it was quite clear early on that Canada had worked out how to unlock... England and that's been the key and there are as much as you asked me last week are there chinks in their armour there are issues with that defence and I think we saw Canada do what we kind of thought that if anyone can build phases against them that's when they come unstuck defensively so I think that a I don't want to say a better team because that's unfair on Canada but maybe a fitter team um, would have would have beaten them on the day Um, Canada had opportunities to win that a number yeah. of times they were. It was fourteen against fifteen. Yeah, and and I think it's um, Canada will really rue the day that that they didn't come away from it with the victory because, mm. you know, like you said, they had ample opportunity. But it is that thing of it, it's sometimes with them it's that last pass or you know it's really simple handling errors or or you know somebody being offside at a ruck and and it's simple things. But I thought it was really interesting what the, what their coach said in the uh, in the post match press conference that they're a great example of a side that just need more test matches. And, and, you know, it's something we've talked about lots whilst I've been over here is that there are, what, 10 England players who've played more test matches than the Blackfields have total. So I think what we're going to see by the time we get to 2025 is this is all going to be really skewed. Mm -hmm. We might not even see the same top four because... Which is fantastic. Which is fantastic and it's what what the sport needs. But Mm. WXV is going to herald the biggest improvement for for women's test rugby because it's going to mean more test matches. We'll talk about WXV and we'll talk about uh, this British and Irish Lions tour that could be coming to New Zealand next year. Um, did you? When did you know that England had won? Because at times there, did you think in that final 10 minutes, we're going to go to extra time here? I thought it was going to go to extra time and I thought they were going to lose it, if I'm honest. Mm. I, I was getting very concerned for my broadcasting career uh, because I thought that's it, England are out. And to be honest, I think a lot of it, and I've just said this to uh, Ricky Swanell over lunch, is that I think it's top two in- inches for England. I think that there is a psychological issue in that camp, and I think they look, they're tangibly nervous. That's the concern for me. They were tangibly nervous going into a, a, a game against a side that they should have absolutely skyrocketed off of the pitch. And this weekend, they will go into a game even more nervous against a side that will really trouble them that will have 50,000 people behind them. It's going to be huge. It It is is going to be massive this weekend. Um, As far as England go, we know that they've got such classy players, not just within this 23, but their entire squad. There's a few injury concerns though, right? Yeah, it sounds like Hannah Bottom is certainly out of the tournament from from what we're hearing, um, and she was in a knee brace on the weekend. Uh, Helena Rowlands, we're Mm. not sure about the... um, how serious that injury is but I would be very surprised having seen the way that she's repatriated from the pitch on the weekend that she's going to play any part in this Ellie Kildern is a quality replacement Holly Aitchison is is an incredibly underrated player um, 
it will be interesting to see what he does with the scrum half options. Obviously, it was a risk to start both of them on the weekend. It paid off. Claudia McDonald's run to, to put Abby Darren for that try was fantastic. But if Lucy Packer isn't fit, does he start two scrum halves or does he put Claudia McDonald on the bench and and weigh up his, his wingers? The other thing as well is Claudia McDonald is a uh, world-class player. Mm, she was she's, outstanding. Yeah, she's outstanding. Try of the tournament. That Try was the amazing. Going forward, isn't yeah. she amazing? Yeah. In attack, fantastic. There and are she hasn't defensive frailties, but there for are, a few weeks. But there's defensive frailties there, and that would be my concern. And I would, if I was, you know, as we say, I've got neutrality here, mm. but I would be very inclined to bring Lydia Thompson back in just because of what you're defending, and you don't want to go into a game with any kind of negativity. But I think that's something that he will be. Or you, you have you to think, think about he's it. Don't consider, you? Yeah, you have to think about it. He's a smart coach. Yeah, he will. He will be thinking about all of this stuff. And and I think the other thing as well is that there was um, for me a, a kind of change in pace and a change in tempo when Poppy Cleal came on. Mm. But the reality is, is Simon going to drop Sarah Hunter? You know, she is the out and out cap record holder in in women's rugby now. She's the England cap record holder. He's not going to drop her, is he? No way. It's the final. You She's can't. there. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's very interesting how he approaches this. And I think that England fans will be far more nervous going into this weekend than the supposed underdogs. They the are the Fins. underdogs. They are the underdogs. <laughs> but when you talk about some of the greatest players, Sarah Hunter's obviously in that conversation. Uh, before we dismiss Canada completely, Sophie Dugotti has to be one of the players of the tournament, right? And who else would be in that conversation after five weeks? Uh, I think it's really interesting. I think Sophie Degoody, not just one of the players of the tournament, but what an amazing kind of uh, icon for this game that we've got. And, and she's still so young. How is she? Twenty three. I know. And, and it's, it's one of not these fear. things. No, it isn't. And she's and she's cool and she's calm. She's, and she's so collected, cool. <laughs> but she's also quality on the pitch. Yeah. And, and and speaks so well and and looks the part. And obviously, we've got this amazing heritage of her. Her mum was a Canada captain. It's the B and, story. Yeah, and and that's all really good. But that you know that also when we're talking about how we are trying to appeal to this wider audience. Mm. And, you know, we've had all this conversation in the past couple of weeks about names on backs of jerseys. For the women's game especially, I think that's going to be even more important. And I was talking to Dame Julie Christie about this and how we have to pin things to individuals as opposed to the collective, and she's the kind of person that's going to take us ahead with that. It's really interesting when we talk about standout players at the tournament. I don't know. I feel like maybe it's because we've existed in this bubble here in New Zealand, but for me it's been Ruby, Ruby, Ruby and, and, and Porsche all the way. So... I don't know if we've necessarily unearthed people that have shocked us and surprised mm. us. Um, but then I, sometimes I think it's because I live in this echo chamber of women's rugby anyway, and they're people that I'd expect it to, to be special. I think Ragoni's sweets, her lollies, as you guys call them, in yeah. her socks, may be the most iconic thing about this World Cup. Also another great player. Another great player. Loved but, the way Italy played. But, you know, for us in the Northern Hemisphere, she was absolutely superb in the Six so Nations this year. So, yeah, but we and, don't often see it. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I touched on it already. I know you want to talk about it some more, I'm sure. But with WXV, that's what we're going to get to see. And I think that's what's been really interesting for me with having spoken to Blackfern's girls about playing Wales twice for them okay they've played them twice mm. but that's you know they haven't played them for years you know not even in the last world cup so whilst if that was england coming up against the same side from the northern hemisphere twice there'd be no novelty to it but for the blackfins having played sides they wouldn't play normally it's been special okay one more thing about the weekend <laughs> last week when you came in you said that france would push new zealand which they did they were one kick away from yeah. upsetting the hosts at that tournament i mean you called it didn't you yeah, I'd, oh God, I don't want to feel smug about that because I my heart rate still has not returned to normal after that one. It mm. was um, 
obscene. It was game. great. What I loved it is that my, my dad, you know, has watched the Women's World Cup because of me. He hasn't watched it because he's had any real interest in it. I mean, he does now. And I know that he'll be up and ready to watch the final on the weekend. But what I loved is that um, yesterday when, you know, test matches were still taking place in the Autumn Nation series back at home. And he said to me, after the France-Australia game, the game of the weekend has been France-Blackferns. And wow, what a test match. A game for the ages. Um, I still don't know how France came away from that without the win. I know. Everyone thought <laughs> in that final 20 seconds, like literally the whole nation, the whole country thought, we've lost it here. Well, I wonder how many people didn't see it. Because I wonder how many people yep. got up and thought, I can't watch this. Because it was a sitter. We were talking in the office earlier and people that went along to the game said they jumped up and left. Yeah. Well, and then they, were, then they heard the crowd roar. It was... Well, I don't think I actually looked. I think I kind of turned away just because I was like... You're in shock in that moment, Yeah, because also you don't want you don't want a game to be won or lost like that anyway. But as much as... I feel like if it had been won like that, it would have been the worst possible moment for this World Cup. It would have just been the most heartbreaking thing for home fans, for home players. I don't know. It was but just, look at what it's done now. Literally 10 minutes after that final whistle when the Black Ferns had made it through, the website crashed. You couldn't get tickets. Well, apparently in the... In the first 10 minutes, there were 5,000 tickets in baskets Amazing. on the website. Amazing. Because people were so desperate. And, you know, I know that World Rugby people haven't People want to be yet, part of it now. Yeah, and I know they haven't yet confirmed it, but the game is a sellout. We know that because you can't buy a ticket on the yeah. website. You know, They'll bring in more seats, though, well, which is great. Steph Fox, rival Steph Fox was messaging, mes- messaging me yesterday, a former Blackfoot, saying, I can't get a ticket. Like, as much as like, oh, God, if anyone has got a ticket, please message Steph and tell you you've got one. But at the same time, that that's the story they had to come by. Yeah, you know, they're... <laughs> They're rocking horse poo, as we call them at home. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, um, it's special and it feels... But my concern is that had the Black Ferns lost, what would this final have looked like this weekend? So we can celebrate it and we can be really excited mm. about it, but we have to look at it in the wider context of has this World Cup made the progress that we wanted it to? Are we there yet? Are we kind of clinging on to the fact that the Black Ferns made the final? This is the final that we would have wanted on paper and now, again, we have that conversation about who do we want to win it in terms of the context of the wider women's game, if you separate you know, any allegiances to teams and players and stuff like that. Well, you've got two professional teams in the final, don't you? Two of the best sides in the world have made the final. But there's professional and professional for me, Kirsty, and that's the problem. Mm. And I, you know, I heard uh, another Kiwi journalist speaking this morning about it, and I know that Ali Donnelly, uh, who heads up Scrum Queens, had, had written a piece about it, but it's the way that these two unions have funded their professional game. And I think... You can't lose sight of the fact that Canada was superb last weekend because of how many of those players play in the Premiership and and how many of those teams have been improved because players have played in the Premiership. And the way that the RFU have funded the game has to be the model that other unions look at. It's from the ground up. And that's what's that's why England have got so much resource in terms of how how did they pick a squad? Most of those countries are trying to get 32, team, 32 players together to form a squad. With England, they left people at home. I know New Zealand left key players out. But in terms of the way that the RFU have funded the game, the girls are getting paid considerably less than Black Ferns players. Considerably half of what mm. Black Ferns players get paid, the top top funded players. But the league is where the RFU have decided, OK, this is where we have to push the money. And that's... I don't want people to lose sight of that after this weekend. I don't want unions to be able to look at it and say, well, it hasn't bought them the World Cup. Because whilst it might not have bought them the World Cup if they don't get the result on the weekend, I do think that the way that England are rising, they're bringing people up with them. And that's been really important this year. 
this entire World Cup, I mean, you've mentioned it, was this transformation for the women's game across the world. Uh, last week, New Zealand Rugby announced that they'd been in talks uh, about bringing a British and Irish Lions women's tour to New Zealand. What do you think of this idea? And is it going to happen? Um, what non-English players are in that team? I mean that with all due respect. What non-English players are in that team? I mean, you know them a lot better than well, we do, right? You know, for me, like... Do they make it? And a squad of... It, what are you bringing over? 32? Alicia Butchers would be a player in that team for me. Gets injured in the first game at this World Cup, so I'm still crying about that. But there wouldn't be many. There's not many players across... So it's just an English tour yeah, of New Zealand. And, and, you know, I think that's a mark of where... You know, obviously Wales got to the quarterfinals and that's because we had a quarterfinal stage that we wouldn't have normally. There's not many players outside of outside of that English team who are... I can't see who's challenging those England players. That's the difficulty. There's, you know, if you if you go position for position, is the best person in that position an England player all the time? And unfortunately, at, at this point in time, but yes, I guess it it's is. a start, isn't it? If you start this tour and it's every four years and it reciprocates what they do in the men's in four or eight years' time, there will be. Um, why why should we mirror the men's? I don't want to see. I, do you know what I want to see? I want to see Northern Hemisphere versus Southern Hemisphere. It's happening. So this woman's XV. This is what's going to happen, right? Do you want to tell us more about this concept? Well. Women's XV, which I've got a massive problem with because XV is 15. Please, can we call it Women's 15? World Rugby, I beg you, what does XV mean? It doesn't stand for anything. It's not an acronym. Let's just call it 15. Uh, but the, the new women's competition, 15. the Women's 15, that we're going to get told off by <laughs> we'll World call Rugby it for that. Right here. We're renaming it, guys. Um, the new competition is going to see more test matches. Fundamentally, that's the big thing. We're going to see more rugby. And, and, you know, I touched on the fact that there are England players who have got more caps than, than the Black Ferns have had test matches that is a stark statistic but also if you look at how many games have been played between world cups i think australia have played like eight test matches if not less whereas you know the the big six in the northern hemisphere those six nations teams are getting a six nations competition every year and then a set of autumn internationals where south africa might come up or wales and scotland might play each other in in that period as well so the key thing, and I think that's the big takeaway from this World Cup, is that teams need more test matches. It's, it can't just be on the unions to fund players and to pay players as professionals. They've got to just play. And, you know... But it's going to happen, right? With the women's 15, you'll have the Six Nations and then you'll have the Pacific Four, which yeah. is turning into a Pacific Six tournament, I believe. But when I say Northern Hemisphere versus Southern Hemisphere, I don't mean the winner of each. I mean, I want you to want see... You want a full competition. No, I want to see a barbarian side of those. I want to see English and French players on the same team because that's when we're going to see a mixture of teams. Mm. And I want to see... That would be great. Yeah, I want to see, you know... A bit of Fijian flair pushed in with that that black fern side. I and, love the Fijian flair. Yeah. Two other favourite teams of this tournament were Fiji and Italy. Oh, Fiji. Wow. What what a debut at a World Cup. Can you imagine what they're going to be like in four years' time if they get resources. Three and years' time. We haven't got long to wait for Three this. Years. Three years. Hopefully they do get some resources pumped into them. Well, I think what's been really interesting with them is, you know, I'm a huge supporter of the Sevens game and it's been tangible what a medal at the Olympics mm. has meant for Fiji rugby and, and kind of how that's pushed women's rugby as a collective ahead there in Fiji and, and you know there were a number of girls who were Fiji Sevens players who'd come across to play 15 so that shows the impact of Olympic rugby and there are lots of naysayers for Sevens but in terms of the global game if we're talking about new territories and non-traditional rugby audiences it's the only way we're going to bring them up is getting them interested in Sevens and, and building from there. We're running out of time uh, because you're the most phenomenal talker. LJ, Laura Jane Jones, we are speaking to. But just finally, um, what is your prediction for the weekend? The new, the neutral voice, the voice of reason we are listening to here. 
She doesn't have affiliations to either team. New Zealand, England, Eden Park, 40,000 plus there. Majority of those for New Zealand. Oh, screaming majority. You say voice of reason. The problem is I'm the voice of romance. And, and, you know, this is like, as a Wales fan, I can be a negative all week and then it gets to Friday and I say, no, we're probably going to turn him over tomorrow. Every year when we play England. I... I'm going to go... Head and heart. Uh, they can be saying different things. But from what you've seen... I'm from going both things. I'm going black fans. You don't think England will handle the pressure in the crowd? Oh, I don't know if it's pressure in crowd. It's uh, it's internal pressure. It's um, it's kind of mood in camp and my perception of that. That's you know that's me indirectly having a, a say on what my perception of mood in camp is. At this point, having spoken to Black Ferns whilst in camp post match on the weekend. They're calm, they're collected. They're so relaxed. So it was relaxed. amazing. How, when they came out of the tunnel and they're just laughing and joking around, it's, it did not seem like they were lining up for a semi-final at a rugby world yeah, cup. It's amazing the vibe that they've got going and, on. And they've both got different types of pressure. And I was speaking to a friend of mine earlier on, Joe Burns, and rugby commentator, he did the uh, qualifier in Dubai over the weekend. And he said, you know, pressure makes diamonds. But pressure also bursts pipes. So which one are going to be the burst pipes and which one are going to be the diamonds? And at this point for me, the black ferns are going to be the sparkling gems on Saturday evening at Eden Park. Thank you very much. Laura Jane Jones, great to have you back in studio with us for the Black Ferns Show. Thanks for having me.